One minute to start. Hi, I'm Neil and welcome to the Crosscast. Well, well done to anyone who's watched the whole curse period. I think you can be satisfied. You've been rewarded with some exciting racing, a bit of controversy, of course, and a range of winners and a lot of familiar faces from the UK scene getting some, or potentially some career best so far results um, out in well Belgium, isn't it? So in today's show, we're going to review all of that action. And we're going to look forward to the upcoming racing, including Zonhoven in the next round of the National Trophy. Today, we are joined in the studio by cyclocross talent Lotta Mansfield, just back from another short block of racing in Belgium. And of course, my co-host, Matt Payne. To be honest, I found it pretty overwhelming over the last week, Matt. But it's been one Christmas cracker of a race after another, hasn't it? It has, hasn't it? And it's been a lot of TV watching. I mean, I don't even know where to start. Kind of, had the races not been so memorable, it probably would have all blurred into one kind of like midnight watching session. We've been really busy during the daylight hours. So everything has been crammed in at the point where you can't see anything outside at all. It's utterly pitch black. We can't do anything else uh, outside. But uh, it's definitely been a lot of hours of cyclocross and I'm not complaining because on the whole it was actually better than I would have predicted and yes. uh, some amazing race action and uh, a few surprises a few things kind of expected on the way through but um, definitely entertaining and, and maybe the ones that weren't entertaining maybe weren't the ones that I would have expected but it was great to see so many UK riders racing as well uh, and uh, having watched, I mean, it would literally finished watching Baal uh, on at about one o'clock in the morning, um, and uh, was flicking back through the uh, through the uh, pre-race and the post-race uh, after watching the race action just to relook at that and uh, watched any uh, any last riding round. I know I'm probably not the only one who saw saw that, um, and uh, really interesting to see her on the bike, but. but Coming around after people like Anna Kay and, you know, you, you've got, we've got these elites out there. But then you look a little bit further back down the grid and you see lots and lots. I mean, we've probably got to be the, the second highest ranking nation in terms of participation, I would imagine, uh, after the Dutch in the women's race and the, the Belgians in the men's race, pretty much. Yeah, we, certainly there's loads and loads of Brits out there. I've been out in Belgium over the last week. It's, you know, you're on the ground and you know, if you're somebody who's in the pits then it's great. It's like there's a, 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 a lot of old friends and people that you you know from the pits over here. And But even though you've been right on the ground and seeing the race go past you, you have actually have very little idea what's been going on at the front of it, <laughs> <laughs> or apart from that little bit next to the pit. So you know, you, you've been right out there up close and personal, but then you need to go away and watch it all again afterwards. But thankfully this time, that's been a pleasure. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've got to say, I, I, I get what you mean, Neil. I mean, people often will ask me at the end of a race weekend, you've been commentating all weekend, what happened in X, Y, or Z? Well, actually, you've forgotten the first race to focus on the second race, which you've then forgotten to focus on the third race and give everything. And you literally do have to go watch it back almost to get the, the detail. And it's been quite nice because actually um, I've had a little bit of a spell without doing any live commentary. 
uh, other than esports over this period. And and I was quite thankful of that because uh, I'm not sure I could have crammed any more cross in. <laughs> it just couldn't have been done on the way through. But it's like when you're racing, I guess, it, you're in that bubble. And, and Lotta, I mean, you're a rider who's grown up racing. I mean, I've, I've had the pleasure of watching you your racing. Just, you know, okay, can't quite remember you on stabilizers and, you know, stuff like that. But you've watched your racing through the, the, the under-14s, 16s, juniors. Do you still find you're in that bubble, that little narrow tunnel of focus, and you kind of know who's in front and who's behind and no idea who's like 20 places in front or behind? I didn't even know who was behind me, to be honest. It was utter carnage. But, um, yeah, there were so many riders out in Belgium this year, and, oh, it was crazy. But, like, even on the national scene, I maybe know who's in front of me. I don't know what's going on. I'm just in my own little focus bubble, just trying not to crash. So, yeah, I've been having a great time. <laughs> and I, th- I guess that kind of sums up cross for a lot of people, isn't it? It's, uh, and you race internationally and, you know, are also racing nationally. I guess that doesn't really vary, does it? You still try not to crash. That is pri- primary uh, goal number one. But the conditions that we've had... Are they some of the toughest that you think you've seen in in your career so far? Uh, probably. Like, I love the conditions this season. Like, that ice race at uh, Barnoldswick was just incredible. Like, honestly, I've never raced anything like that, and I loved it. And it's been so different. Like, each race has been just a different condition. I'm, like, learning to ride my bike in a different way, and it's just been – the weather has really just pulled through, especially for us mud lovers – and the rain just we've been doing our little rain dances and uh, i think it's been paying off it's your to you're to blame for the fact that uh, i'm covered in mud pretty much every day of the week is it that, that uh, we're with it raining quite so much one of the things for me that's really telling um hearing all the horror stories of oh we went out and we broke this and we broke that and we broke the other and some people rip rear mechs off some people have mechanicals and everyone sort of helps each other out not sure anybody's managed to rip you know, do anything uh, about broken vans because I do understand, Lotta, that you, your own personal transport got hijacked for the trip uh, to head across the uh, tunnel. Yeah, our van, Terry, just, he had a little mental breakdown, I think, about a kilometre away from the tunnel and he just Does decided he, he didn't want to go to France. In your van? Is that what it is? He just gets Yeah, I think so. He's got quite a personality on him, but... um. Yeah, so that was a very long day in the van. Um, wasn't ideal race prep, to be honest, because I was really looking forward to my activation ride on the other side of the border. But that turned into a five-hour slog drive back home just to do it all again the next morning in a, a different vehicle. So, yeah, it wasn't ideal, but I'm glad that Terry kind of bonked before I did. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing, isn't it? I think what we've got to remember is, I mean, we've just been talking about viewing all these races. And that's a nice sort of, you know, three hours per race, you know, for the men's and women's, the pre-show, the the post-show, the interviews, maybe writing some notes. But, you know, when you're racing for an hour, there's actually 
so much prep. There's the bike prep, the training, the activation ride, the carting the gear into the pits, and there's the actual race itself, which we all know is, is carnage. But then there's also the post ride, the, the cleaning it yourself, everything, all the kit, coming back, fixing everything for the next race. You know, that there's a huge amount behind it, and you've got to marvel at the, the teams who do that. I guess that is where being part of a, a, a t- race team rather than being a solo rider has got to help. Yeah, the team has been incredible this year. So I raced for Montezuma's race team and they've just been insane. So um, they work so hard behind the scenes and in the pits and like, I'm so grateful. So I've had a great time this year just sitting in the van before the races. We have such a big laugh. And then I know that they're all working so hard outside the van, getting our bikes ready. And especially racing in Belgium, my bike had a few issues, which turned out to be non-issues because they worked so hard to get that fixed for me. And yeah, it's been amazing. I just love being with the team. So yeah, it's been really good. And I guess that gives you a little bit extra motivation, a little bit extra percent to go quicker because you're not stressing or not using nervous energy or thinking about worrying about things because you know you know that the team's got your back yeah definitely and I think we just have such a good environment around us and we all bounce off each other so well so there aren't many pre-race nerves it's more pre-race just we just have such a laugh and we don't think about the race until we know to turn it serious so maybe like an hour before that's when we're properly we're like okay this is time to get serious and to start pulling the results out. But I think that's why we've been so successful this year is just we're having such a great time together. And it's made like hard days and the days where you're like, oh, that was horrible. It just, yeah, I didn't have a great day on the bike, but the team are there putting a smile back on your face pretty much as soon as you finish. So, yeah, it's just been amazing with the team. Such a great environment to be in. And do you find you can talk to the team about those bad days? You know, it's it's having a, a, a team that, you know, you see at the races and then, you know, you can leave alone, go do your training, go study, come back to, and you're not seen all the time. Does that make it easier to offload the thoughts and the, the, about the racing and the bad times as, as well as the good? Yeah, I think we all understand each other so well. So we've all been doing it for years and – just knowing that we've all had those bad days and we've all seen the bad days and we've all had them this year, but we just, we can pull each other out of them. So yeah, we've got a great kind of like focus in the team and the bad days, we kind of learn from them rather than get hung up. So we know where we go wrong and we talk to each other about where it went wrong. And yeah, it's just been just positive really. And does that then translate into being still enthusiastic about racing and watching the racing? Yeah, we are like always on the sidelines, especially after our race for the lads. And we scream at them like we want them to do so well and they do it for us and we do it for everyone. So, yeah, even people not in the team, we're always out there. We love just cheering them on and you know, joking that we might have ridden it a bit faster or something. So, yeah. Particularly if they're in your team, that's definitely got to yeah. be one of the digs, definitely. And, and so of, do you get to watch, have you been watching the rest of the racing? I mean, the first big race of sort of the curse period uh, really was um, a there, wasn't it? And and that was a World Cup where we saw return of the big three. You, you know, was that, 
where you were, you know, because I said probably one of the few that you've you've not actually raced. You watch them in real life and you watch them on TV and they just blow your mind. It's insane just how fast they are. And then they run so fast and I'm just so jealous of how fast they're running. I just don't understand it. <laughs> different dimension, different speed completely that they're uh, shifting through. And and does that, when you watch, I mean, if we we, we take the, the first World Cup of that sort of cursed period and, you know, you've got these absolutely top of the world riders. I mean, you know, it's absolutely stacked field of world champions. Is there things you can pick out of that on the ground that you don't see when you watch it on TV? Or is there the same when you do it the other way around, maybe? Watch it on TV and not see it in real life? When you're on the ground, you really see the elevation or the ruts and you it just shows their skill to another level. Like You don't notice how deep these ruts are or how kind of solid they are. And they ride them like, oh, it's just like they're not there. And the elevation, especially like... Herva and Tabor, like they look flat until you're there on the ground. So, yeah, they're just incredible bike riders. Let's focus on some of the racing. I mean, Herva was a, a World Cup um, this time, and um, we had Van der Poel take a win ahead of Van Aert and Pidcock. Oh, it's nostalgic, isn't it? <laughs> you know, um, but we did see a bit more difference going on with Shirin Van Anroy who she just led for the whole race in front of Brand and Peters. And it was Peters who had a bad day, actually, you know, which doesn't happen very often. Um, and the other thing which was a bit rare with that race this time was the sun came out a couple of times. <laughs> Whereas I watched it back, I thought, yeah, there wasn't a lot of that when I was out in Belgium. <laughs> Should do the men's race first. Come on, mm. big three. Let's get it out of the way. Did we really expect to see Van der Poel take the win? Lotta? No, I don't think... He's not been looking himself recently, I don't think. And I would have said that's Walt's course, especially with the really heavy mud and the running. But I guess Van der Poel just had it on that day. Yeah, Neil, you, you thought the same. But, you know, but over Christmas, I was thinking, are the big three now actually the big two? With Walt and Matthew... You know, Pidcock still hasn't had a a, a a big win really in a in one of the big races this year. And then after Christmas, I was thinking, is are we down to the big one? We just wow seems to have that edge all the time. So I was surprised to see Matthew take the win there, um, and I was also surprised to see um, how strong he was at some of the other races over over the curse period. Um, but certainly, I I thought that. Um, when Pidcock got a gap on that, I thought he was he was in his element. He was kind of into Pidcock leading at the front mode and had that switch flicked. But then Wout and Matthew, they were in their own mode, weren't they? They were on the <laughs> we've got someone to, to chase down mode and it was like racing as if he's not even there. Yeah, it it uh, it, it lived up to expectations. Um and it kind of, I think, in some ways overshadowed what was going on behind because Michael Van Toren now is having a, an absolutely standout season. He's he's absolutely flying. You know, okay, he's European champion, so he's got clearly some recognition of that. But you look at him, he's there all the time. Every single race, he seems to be involved in the mix at some point. 
And then it's only when we're seeing the big three head off that we we seem to see him maybe just being distanced a little bit. But, you know, he's absolutely on form. Lars van der Haar, again, rider coming into form at the right time, I think. Um, had a, He's had a productive season. Say he's been taking more time off as well. You know, he's yeah. been taking a bit more time on the way through, um, which was good to see. And Cameron Mason's ride there, uh, coming in ninth. Good ride by know. him. You know, I, I think that was really important of what was what was to come. And and potentially, I, I think it's going to make uh, some of the later racing even more more exciting as we move into uh, towards the uh, middle of January and in towards the early part of February, for sure. Um, yeah, and you've got Maine and Mason. So I kind of see Pidcock as being kind of a global rider. Whereas Mason and Maine are kind of still see that they're, they're the British riders. You know, uh, it's not news anymore. You know, we've got yeah. Maine in the top 20 and top 10. We've got Mason in the top 20, top 10. And it's just time and time and time again, we're, we're seeing yeah. it. You know, it isn't something which is sort of a, the first thing that we talk about. And that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is the norm from our point of view, I think who've been in the sport and watched it for a long time, you know, we, we kind of, it's expected to have riders in the mix all the way through. And, and I agree with what you say, you know, Tom Pickup's kind of global. Tom's shown that if he's in there and he's, he's racing well, then he, he's on his day. He's just as good. The, the thing I think he's suffering from is he's just not doing enough. He's, he's so many focusing on so many things. You can't do everything. It's just not possible. You can't be the best mountain biker, cross rider, road rider, outdoors, record holder, cyclobra, you know, hill climb winner, you know, all the rest of it all simultaneously and think that you're going to take on somebody like Wow and, and Matthew. And yes, they're all around tons, but you've got to also remember there's a fair age difference between them. You know, you're five years between them. And you look at in the women's category where we've got Backstead coming in in fourth you know Lotta you've raced yep. Zoe many times you know, you know and she's she's quite a, quite a quite a swift rider isn't she Zoe is an incredible rider I just off on and off the bike she's just like she's so lovely and she can really bring it and I think we've not seen we've not even seen the surface of what Zoe can do she's only just finding her feet in the elite category and she'll be on that podium so soon. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see her definitely on the world's podium. But, yeah, she's got a lot to offer and we're only just starting to see it. So, yeah, it was a class ride from her. Yeah, and I don't think she was the only one. You look at uh, Lean Berkier down in 11th place, you know, another very young rider, world-class mountain biker who I've had the pleasure of watching race off-road you just think, yeah, absolutely flying. One rider who had a, a particularly bad day, a certain PFP, 20, wait for it, 7th, 27th. That's like, you know, that's that's not going to be good for the head, surely. Yeah, we look at what's happened to her over the past yeah, the, the, the past year with you know, personal life and, you know, personal changes you know when your personal life is so wrapped up in your professional life you know, in terms of teams and things so it's uh, it, it it's been really incredibly disruptive now she's in a new team and you know every everything is changing for her 
It, it is, but she's come off the back of, I mean, I've had the pleasure of, of calling her across the line at the Gravel World Championships, right, yeah. mountain bike championship after mountain bike championship after mountain bike championship. You know, she's absolutely been on super form, just like just the best, almost the best form of her life. And then it's kind of like all seems to just have gone to a pieces. And, uh, I mean, she's not that old, you know, it's not like it's she's coming to the end of her career, you know. She's she's born in what ninety two, I think, from uh, memory. So okay, she's ten years older than Shirin Van Anroy, but Shirin Van Anroy is not exactly an old gimmer, you know. So there's not that, you know. She's still she's still in the the running. I mean, Lucinda Brand um, is you know. Is is another rider who who is actually older than Pauline Ferrand Prevost by three years, and yet was second in that race. So I don't think it's coming to the end of the career. I think it's just like saying it's very difficult. It's just really difficult. Yeah, it's yeah. it's tough, and I I I hope that we see we see her back to her best at some point in the season because there's. If if her legs are there, the bike isn't. It seems at the yeah. at the moment, you know. And it, it, when it when it all comes together, it, you know, everything has to go well for you to have a a, a good season. And yep. obviously, very few things are going well at the moment. But yeah. you know, let's let's look forward and then the next uh, the next race was it probably the next day, wasn't it? You know, I mean, Zolder. <laughs> I mean, I found it. It brought back memories of previous classic. Um, editions. We even had Stenek Stebar mixing it up with the youngins there. Um, this time it was Wout Van Aert who took the win ahead of Van der Poel, whose sprint, well, should we say it's not textbook? Van der Haar was in third and um, Pidcock never saw saw any of it, really. Um, Alvarado showed her form. Um, you know, she's really consolidating her form this year at a good time of the year um, with her win ahead of being a Van der Heide and, and Brand. So you know, it was it was like a two-up, wasn't it, for the pretty much the whole race in the men's two-up race at the front, and yeah, the, the, there was the other race, the rest of the race, all that happened in the rest of the race. Um, but that didn't make it any less entertaining, I think, in some ways, because it just meant you had two races to watch rather than one. And uh, I thought it was, I enjoyed it. I enjoy Zolder in lots of ways, and in other ways, I just think it's a little predictable in that. You know where those flashpoints are going to be. That little drop down into the side where you've got to put the airbags up because of the little drop in. You know that there's always going to be the same kind of point, places. But I, I, it, yeah. What could have been? Would it have been Van der Poel's if he hadn't have had the issues that he had in his sprint? Could we have seen somebody else up there? You know, in and in the women's race, you know, sailing is back on form. She's coming back to where we know she can be you know you don't wear those rainbow bands on your arm for nothing as a past world champion you know you've got that class yeah and you compare that to last year when Salin walked through the pits dropping out of Zolder and you know th- what a difference between last year and this year I think she didn't just take the monkey off her back. I think she sort of threw the monkey halfway down the forest and uh, never going to see it again, hopefully, after that one. Because I, I thought it was really... She picked herself back up 
you know, she's she's very expressive. I mean, I don't, I don't know if Lot has had to dodge her out out the way when she's been coming past in a bad mood, or when she's been in a good mood, sort of had the smiley hello off her because she's very. She seems to be really, really demonstrative with with how she feels. You know, it's not just a heart and a sleeve. I think she's every every sort of mood that she's got and how well it's going is very expressive. It's very obvious when you're watching. But I love that. I think that's great because you know, if if everybody just rode like machines, we just really wouldn't. We wouldn't be watching it, would we? It just wouldn't be the same, the same race uh, overall. Um, I, I think uh, Inga van der Heiden coming back into form is telling. A rider who tends to come good at the end of the racing season, and you know, is she planning to come really good when we come into um, the world? You know, or is it just coincidence? I don't know. I mean, she's won worlds before, hasn't she? As an under twenty three, so maybe this is her year. She's got the form at the moment. She's going well, and she's getting better race by race. Yeah, and there's still plenty of time left to get there. These these were small change, really, compared to what came after. Because um, these were good. These were fun. Next two races, they were box office. They were like you know. Watching, watching, uh, watching, watching, sort of your your local league, and then watching the step it up for you know Super League. This was yeah. impressive I, stuff. The next two, Deegan was another classic race for the podium. Um, this time we had Wout van Aert and Pidcock and Van der Poel head to head racing for the whole of the race, start to finish. Um, it was great to be there and to and to see it. The weather was pretty grim to be quite honest um but yeah it was it was awesome and then we had in the women's race we had peters finishing ahead of van amway and alvarado um so that means with just a couple of rounds to go we've got van der Haar leading by seven points and alvarado leading by three so there's still a lot to race for in the series but you know who cares about the series when you've got a race like that it was uh i we've been working all day long so all of these, it was like stale social media, stale social media, and much, and and we didn't go on it at all. And then we watched it as if it was live again. It was they were there knocking chunks out of each other at the front. They were battling all the way through. I mean, it was an absolutely classic race in the men's race and the women's race. I thought was really intriguing. And put Peters, who's been, whose form I think has yo-yoed more than probably a fair few of the other riders. I was so impressed by her taking that victory. And then Sharon Van Hamroy, again, another rider who's bouncing along and dependent on the course, depends on how she does. But the bigger than the riders, the event, the crowds, was there the entire population of not just Deegan, but pretty much the whole of Belgium and the Netherlands packed into one small place? Yes, it was crazy, the crowds. Um, absolute carnage. Um, like, they had been there when we got there, kind of two-ish. Um, even just riding to the start, all of them, they see the, they hear the hub coming and they all turn around to see who it is. Yeah, we're riding through, like, just the town and we've taken it over and the pubs have got they're bursting and oh they were so loud you could tell who was winning by 
the cheers and everything. It was crazy. Yeah, it it looked immense. I mean, uh, the, the number of times you couldn't see who was riding because of the volume of bodies let over and, you know, big lasses hanging over everywhere and, and the noise. I mean, it came across. It, it felt like there was just... It was just like having a, a moving football match crowd almost around you. It was so, so loud. And it must have been really quite intimidating to, to ride around there. Yeah, it kind of was, especially in practice when there's a lot of people there and they're cheering you on and they're having a laugh and then racing. Like, just the start was insane just because it goes quiet and you've got, like, the bleeps, which they're doing, and your heart rate's starting to rise. And you're like, okay, I know I need to do well. And then the lights go green and you're like, oh, I've got to go now. And just it erupts with noise and it's just like crazy. It's I, There's no way to describe it. I was trying to describe it to a friend the other day and I was like, yeah, so it's just so loud. And you kind of half block it all out, but then you get these kids at the side cheering you on, even though you're down at like 80th or 60th and yeah, you can tell they really enjoy it and it's just such a great environment. It it looked crazy. And I guess the pits, Neil, were, were no different. I mean, there were big fields and, and that was probably the, the one of the worst things about it almost. I would imagine that if you weren't in the top four or five riders, coming into the pit was just like bikes, bodies and bits everywhere. It wasn't so bad as when I've pitted there before. I have to say it was, it, it seems, but I, I think it might've been experience of knowing exactly which pit, which, you know, which box to get in, you know, so you know, choosing that very carefully, maybe I haven't chosen so well there before. Um, and, and I think that it, that the, 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 the mud conditions meant people weren't changing every lap, which can sometimes happen there. So, uh, but yeah, it was still, yeah, it was still pretty full on. Have to say, but you know, after the first lap, it it spreads out so much. I mean, it's you know, it's a downside of that course, really. That it's it is so, um, yeah. It, it it's just it spreads out so much because of all the bottlenecks on the course. Um, but it does make it easier from the pits perspective, and you also get a good view. You can see where people are coming from quite a long way. Um, in both of the pits, actually, at the top you got the sand, so people come at you at very, very nice slow speed, so you could get to spot them really easily. Um, and the bottom pit, you get the hot you from the pit, you can actually see right the way round to the the dodgy camber, <laughs> um, yeah, um, and then you get a whole couple of no, a good thirty seconds after that. Yeah, it's I, I think it's an experience that everybody needs to go and. Uh, Definitely seeing that on there. I mean, you just thought, wow. I, when it comes to things like results, kind of, it's the one thing we really haven't talked about. I mean, you look at, we talked to them about them already, Mean and Mason, they were absolutely flying. Um, another disastrous race for Pauling, for Anne Prevost. Absolutely disastrous. Um, more issues for her. Um, and I think when you look at the, the racing and who did well, it was a very national trophy s size flow cross course in some ways. It was a lot of tractable mud, a lot of tight corners, not maybe as high speed as we would expect, 
until you hit the road. And then it was nothing like half of the UK crosses because it was ballistically quick. It just seemed to be like it, it did look very two-speed on the way through. But I thought it was it was really good to see that we had so many riders were riding strongly. And, and the performances throughout the whole race fields were great. Were really, really good. I think it's it's got to be one of those races. Would you go back, Neil, with and watch? Is that one of the few that you could actually go without a roll and we could actually get you just watching the racing? Well, and it's practically doable as well, actually. That's one of the nice things with Deegan. Because it's in the evening, you can actually leave home and from half the UK, drive there, and get there in time to watch the racing. So practically, it's actually quite possible to do that, and quite a lot of people do that. So um, no, it's it's quite nice. You know, you see on your socials, you suddenly get people you didn't know were there just popping up and sending <laughs> you photos um, of, of of your riders um, who were who were in the race. One of the interesting things there actually was from that top pit in the men's race at about two thirds distance. Wout van Aert came past that pit. And every lap they'd been, they'd all been, well, they're not they're all. It was Matthew was always the first out of that out of the sand, and he attacked every single lap out of the sand. And you could see the others; they were the expressions on their face was were gradually going from, yeah, we'll have this through to, oh, not again. <laughs> it was like lap by lap, <laughs> but about about two thirds distance, well, looked in the pit and he stared at his pit crew and he just shook his head. It was like. I'm done. You know, it, it was, I've, I've never seen him. I've never seen him do that before. Um, maybe if I'd been at the side of the side of the race, I would have done, but he, he just looked in and he shook his head. It was like this, it's over. When he was, took the lead got a couple of laps later, that was a really big surprise. To so me. much yo-yoing wasn't there in that race between coming in and the facial expressions were at, when you could see them were were great. And one of the things on there, because it is so crowded, there's a lot of camera shots looking straight at the riders because you can't see them over the rest of the crowd. They can't put the cameras somewhere where you're tracking over the top of people to see because there's no way you can see through. You've got to look straight head on at the riders almost. And it does give us some great shots. I thought the lines through the sand were very telling. Um, in how people rode the sand. Yeah. Or, and, and that's not just true of Deegan, but actually all the way through and who was good in sand. And, you know, just across the whole uh, week, I think I'll tell you something, it showed why Lawrence Feek is so good because yeah. his sand riding was immense. As was Matthew Vanderpoel's, obviously. I, I, because, well, and I'll know. tell you, we, were, we, had, we got, took a lot of satisfaction from Pidcock's um, interview after that where he was saying he'd watched a women's race he saw the, the the lines the quickest women were taken through the sand and he thought obviously that's the one to use is not the one I was do, using in the practice and you saw it lap after yep. lap he was taking time because of the line he was he was choosing to take there and if there had been an issue you know it's that old thing if you're coming into it doesn't matter whether you're mountain biking you're you're riding on on the cross if you just follow the, the the sheep line, I mean the, the the general line through, you end up in a situation where if there is an issue, you have nowhere to go, mm. or you're going to get held up massively. And there's a point down there where you have to think strategically. 
do I go somewhere else? And if I'm going to go somewhere else, well, why not go for a line that is quicker? And it, it blatantly was. And you could see people were telling people to move over. And that was one of the things that was noticeable there at Learnhow and at Baal. The yeah. volume of uh, information coming off technical I don't want to call them technical advisors because they're not technically smart ex-riders shouting at current riders where to go. And every now and then somebody would clearly see someone they knew and they would take that on board partway through the race or in yeah. Tom's case, by watching the, the women's race lines, mm. which was, you know, it is smart, smart dude. He's, yeah. He's a bike fan. Okay. Then last week, last week, last show, we had a oh, bit no. of a quiz about this one, which was, just to look back at who the winners have been historically and how many of them are world champions. And you go back and you've got, you know, Van Aert this time, of course, world champ. First time he's won it. And then there was Van der Poel six times. He won it. Nace, yep. Niels Albert. Yep. You go back to 2008. You've got Stebar. Yeah. Okay. Winning it. Nace before that, we you know Nice first won it. When did Sven Nace first win it? It was a long, long time ago in the 90s. Sven Nace first won it. Didn't it was history back. for you, lot of that. Yeah, yeah. You do that in history, but, don't you? I know. <laughs> but that's true, yeah. But it was. Not my type of history, that. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon the, well, the first person who was, who is a non world champion to win that race, when you go back in history, was 2005, well, six season, which was Herben de Necht the Dutch rider. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and it just shows you the pedigree there. You go back and even Adrie van der Poel's won it. <laughs> yeah. So it's, Welsh, it really yeah. is a who's who um, of winners at Deegan. It's a very yeah. physical course, that one. So I think actually it shows in that. So the best in the world are winning it because all the way from the bottom pits to the sand, that is like a full out effort. And then you get a short rest on the downhill, but because it's so physically hard, you've got to be good physically, and then you've got to be good at doing technical stuff at max heart rate. So I know my heart rate was way higher than it normally is for a race like that, just because it's so hard. But I think so many good riders, like the top very best in the world, obviously by winning the champs, winning that race just shows like how brutal it really is especially with that road climb which is completely the different to what we saw what we well what we saw what we what is low and how is like which is pretty much pan flat um yeah it was another fantastic set of races in some really challenging conditions with the women's race it was totally dominated by Sheeran van anroy who finished ahead of schreiber and manon backer but the men's race man that was another really close one with Wout van Aert taking the win ahead of Van der Poel and Pidcock. You know, and it wasn't just there where there was exciting racing. It was further down the field as well. Uh, the conditions, oh, you, know, you were racing at Lotta. How were the conditions? Uh, I actually quite enjoyed them. Um, I think it started raining just before we started warming up and it turned the course from a oh, I should probably be on intermediates, but I'm more comfortable on the muds too. Let's be on mud tyres and I've made the right decision. But it was actually quite different to last year. Uh, so there's a lot less running, which I was much happier about. And they had filled in the ditches a bit more. And um, yeah, that sandy stuff by the pits was a killer. 
uh, you couldn't really tell on the TV, but they were such deep ruts. And if you caught it wrong, like, oh, that was it. There were people watching just to watch people go over the bars. And, yeah, you would cause chaos behind you just by getting your weight slightly wrong, hitting those ruts. But, yeah, the course was awesome. I thought it was a very, I hate to say this, very British course. It was muddy. It was tractable. It was riding in tough conditions in a big bum fight full of loads of riders, packed fields, close racing. I just thought the whole thing sort of it reminded me of a pro, you know of a classic UK race in lots and lots of ways at Lionheart, and yet the the way that people dealt with it was really telling, and you know three top class riders in the men's and in the women's race but very much a, a different race you know Shirin van Amroy just rode away from him we've seen her do this where when it gets tough she comes into her own when you need to have that deep down pull that deep talky power she's got that in spades you know she whereas she doesn't necessarily have that um outright Fen van empel sort of speed and just straight line just can can go or inga van der heiden sprint she's got that just a big 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 sort of tractor talky power that means that she can go it just keeps on going and doesn't stop the the three you know pick up van art and uh, co on the front, I mean, that sprint was just brilliant. And it, but it was fairly predictable how it was going to end up, even though, I mean, okay, you know, we know that all three are good riders. Yeah, you're talking about taking on somebody who, you know, green jersey in the Tour de France, uh, <laughs> going to take him on in a sprint in, at the end of a tough day on the bike. Well, you know, you kind of, kind of put some money on there. But it was very, very powerful. I mean, just so much power again. To have that pace at the end of a race was just so impressive. Well, Wout van Aert's sprint was textbook, wasn't it? It was a headwind finish. So, of course, you've got to be at the back. And then he said in the interview he left a gap. He gap-rushed them. And in a headwind, you're not going to speed up. So whether van der Poel was, would have been at the back, he could have won it. I think van Aert was smart as well by sitting on the back in a headwind sprint like he's learned his lessons from the Tour de France hasn't he <laughs> yeah I, I, it was textbook I think you're dead right Lotte. I think it shows just how how much thinking he does I don't think it's it's not just straight instinctive in some ways I think for me there's some serious processing going on about the optimum moment he didn't just get that run right did he 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 got the whole thing centimeter perfect he laid back just the right amount to get just the right pace coming through and he demolished them you know he didn't just win you know i think it was almost flattering he could have pulled out more time you know almost but he he got it just right and i thought that was really really smart riding on his part but yeah you've got cameron cam mason who won if you take away the big three you know <laughs> um, Winner of the second race in the race. Yeah, and Toma, who was finished in sixth. I watched that and I thought, yeah, Westmoreland. This is a rerun of, or a precursor to what will be a rerun at Westmoreland because 
if, can you imagine those same? I could just imagine the self same conditions. Maybe Dave Haygarth will take it onto a little bit more gravel and a little bit less mud, but it's that same sort of, you know, real, got to be a really good, strong, technical rider who's good at everything with a bit of, little bit of climbing in there, not a lot, but mostly it's about being able to get that power down and be able to ride a bike in real sort of, you know, classic cross. And that's what that was. And I think, you know, it's going to be good to watch. Yeah. I mean, but you, you know, let's take, you know, let's take Mason just uh, as an, as an example. And we could probably, well, we could take Tomer as well. Um, but, you know, you look at Van Aert, Van der Poel as, um, as, as the example, you know, they're mature riders. You know, they're, they've been, you know, they've, they've been getting, they've been good. They're very, very experienced. And we kind of, they're the finished article in many respects. Mason isn't yet. Now we don't know how good he's going to get. And he's coming so, so strong this season. And he's on this upward trajectory. And I, I don't know how, 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 where could this pinnacle be? He didn't do every single race. He's been very careful to pick his races. He's not done everything on the way through. He's had gaps. He's had rest periods. And his coach is rather smart as well. Um, he's not exactly a, a slouch, isn't his coach? Um, and I think there's a lot of, you know, we all know Cameron Mason, the Instagram cheat show. We've, we've interviewed him on the show. He, he's, 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 a, he's great fun. But actually, behind that is a very, very serious, dedicated, committed rider who will rest, who will sit and do exactly what he needs to do to become as good as he can be. I mean, you know, he's, what, 22 now, I think? So that means he's he's reaching the point where he's really coming into his own. I think he's just um, he's a little bit younger than uh, Tomer because Tomer is yeah. just, uh, I think Tomer's a year older, isn't he? So uh, I think they're very, very close, but they are both riders who I would imagine are going to be absolutely nailing it for four years to come if they stay in this. And I think because they've both come very independent to national teams, they've made their own way through from the, the Belgian project and, you know, yeah. similar operations and, you know, the Trinity racing, they've, they've gone out and done it differently. And yeah. by doing that and doing their own thing, I think you've more longevity. You haven't got this maybe this high peak, but you've got definitely a steadier trajectory that can carry you and give you a much more stable base for a much longer period in time. I think any rider coming in at this time of the season. Okay, so Mason you know, he won at Falkirk back in October, but and then hasn't been racing again until December. And he's he's had two top tens in World Cups. He's had, well, he was fifteenth in Deegan, the Super Prestige, and then a fourth and an eighth. This this year, you know, you offer that to well almost any rider in in the pro ranks, and you know, that would be a really really good set of results. Their team sponsors would be absolutely made up with that many top tens. Um, in the year, only been outside the top ten once, and that was a Deegan, and it was the fifteenth. You know, when the biggest field, well, the biggest field of the year. It's amazing, yeah. And I, I am um, excited to see where he's going to go. I reckon he's got a long way to go because uh, 
he starts really slow. I think he was 17th off the start, like after lap one at Lowenau, and then he rode through to come fourth. Like as soon as he gets his start, imagine if he's at the front of the start. I reckon once he gets that all dialed in, his endurance is good enough that he'll start being up there properly, like top fives when everyone's there. But yeah, he's still a young rider, but there's still a lot more I reckon we can see from him. Especially he's got the endurance. He just, the start is slow, but he rides through. So he has got it. Let's move on to Baal. Um, Happy New Year to 2023 with the the Happy New Year being Let's Watch Baal. Um, It was, well, as predicted, incident-packed event across all races. Um, Easerby took the win ahead of Annette after Pidcock crashed on the descent of doom van ampel's new cervello it just cruised there to that win she was two minutes ahead of brand and alvarado van van ampel doesn't look like she's trying one she doesn't make it look hard she makes it look easy no matter how hard it is and she's not one of those demonstrative riders in how she moves the bike about she's almost the antithesis of uh Put Peters. Put Peters is is you know, you know she's giving it everything on that bike. Whereas Fem van Empel just seems to make it look easy. But that is the 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 clear indicator that she's absolute class on that bike. She looked like she wasn't trying. I mean, she said in the post race interview, she didn't go deeper than ninety percent anywhere in the race. There's still loads more left. That's just scary, scary stuff. When you're in a timed race. And every second counts for the riders behind you. It's not like the riders behind sat up. She was like nose breathing, wasn't she? I think I said when we were watching, I was like, she's going up that climb. She doesn't even look like she's trying. She's hardly got her mouth open, like gurning or anything. Just nose breathing. And I think I raced against her at Baal in like the Helen 100 race. And she was third to Zoe and Maddie Monroe. And they were minutes behind her, still in the top 10. But just shows she's come a long way. She's come into the sport late, and now she's actually focused fully on cycling. She can just make it look easy when on that course. I can tell you, it is not easy one bit. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the height gain. Bearing in mind, if if you just watched it on TV, all TV cameras do is flatten things out. It makes it look much less steep. It much it makes it look much shorter than it is. Reality is. It's a horribly big hill to climb up time after time after time after time. Once is bad enough, all those ascents. And then you add in the fact that you've got the terrain. To, I thought it was one of those really, really sloppy, slidey days. You know, those, there's some days when the mud is quite nice and it just helps in some ways. It, it's it's just quite nice planting it into it and hearing it squidge as you go round and you can really rail it even though it's muddy. And then there's other days where it's just like somebody's dumped a bucket load of grease on the floor and whatever you do, you're going to go all over. And, you know, we talked about Tom's crash. He wasn't the only one. There were a lot of people in the dips, as predicted. I hate to say this. As predicted by Neil in the last show, telling us about the mud and in the uh, dips in the jumps, that actually it's really wet that you can't see on camera and it's horrible. Yeah, you're dead right. They were... It was catching out people all over the place and that constant waiting and waiting of the bike, plus the greasy, horrible conditions, just left people all over the place. 
I call them fossilized ruts. They've been there for years and they obviously that course is being trained on all the time. So it like you've got ruts which are just fossilized. So they've been there for years and you can tell in the course, like coming into the finish, there's that one really sloppy corner and they like almost bunny hop this one rut, which I know was there when I raced it four years ago. And it was there when I raced it a year ago. And like, they just don't give. And I think that's why we also saw so many crashes. So Tom came in slightly off balance and he hit a rut and it was the one rut you probably had to hit. But because it's been there for so long and it's fossilized, like it doesn't give. So as soon as you come in off balance, it sends you straight into the barrier, which we saw from a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, we only saw the ones that were televised. But obviously for the people that weren't there, the people you now I've been in touch with quite a few people who were there and they were saying, it was like every lap there were people flying over the fence you know, all the time. It was just continuous. Um, and you've got, you know, you've got the experienced spectators there. Um, so, um, you know, Richard Howes, who many of us know as an awesome photographer, he's one of the, he, he's, he is, he's got some of the iconic, he's the person behind the cameras for some of the iconic Pidcock shots. The, the um, you know, from, superman and the and huge um you know t- doing the jump off of those um at Baal in previous seasons you know he he took some of those shots but this time he was there in fact he was, you saw him on the tv coverage if you if you know richard you know he was right there and he he was saying that there were just rider after rider after rider after rider coming out coming down there and you know and it wasn't just coming to, it was the corner afterwards as well. There were loads of people crashing on that corner. Um, we've seen that in previous years as well. Is it at a point where it needs taken out? Where we are, where there is a known risk and pushing it in? And, and, and Ollie Acres on the last show is well worth a listen back. I think he's really incisive, insightful. You know, that nothing is out of bounds. You can put anything in and we should ride to the conditions. And then there's features, sort of from my point of view, where, you know, you don't want to be putting, you don't want to have 50% of the race field unable to ride through a section without actually being in danger of putting a career render in there or doing damage that mean that we, well, we're highly unlikely to see Tom again now in a cross race this year. Yeah, exactly. I'll be really surprised if he turns up at another cross race at all and that could have done damage for the next few weeks, for all we know. Yeah. And Anna yeah, Kay, um, was it, I think she broke her finger, mm. um, which I believe was from hitting one of those, again, mentioned it last time, you know, concreted in posts, um, as I understand it. Um, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but, you know, as I understand it, that's she hit one of the posts. And you know, we broken finger can sometimes mean oh, doesn't take you out at all other times it can mean it'll put you out for three weeks which i mean she's having surgery on it so surgery on a finger that has to be quite bad doesn't it, it does. whether I she'll mean, be back for champs i don't know it's it's one of those horrible things isn't it it's it's at which point at what point do we say actually we can design this better we'll change this we'll instead of going down the line that we've always gone down we're going to put a series of turns descending turns that are really tricky to get down but instead of coming over flipping it and hitting it so hard that you're going to go for an absolute burn and do major damage you're going to not hit that 
I mean, we have seen in the past metal barriers inside the wooden posts before now, which do have a little bit more give when you hit the designed, you know, the Olympic style barriers are designed that all of the pails, the uprights will come out if you hit them hard enough. Um, you know, that's, it's part of the design. Having said that, there was a lot to watch, wasn't there? And, um, you know, <laughs> the, um, and, you know from a entertainment point of view, it was a kind of a heart in your mouth type of entertainment. But um, it was, I, yeah. I, 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 you know, I'm, I hate to say this, but I think it's lost one of my favourite core status totally yeah. after this time around because it would have been okay if we had great racing. But let's be honest, if you had fallen asleep in the lap two, not that I did for a change, lap two, and then woke up in lap four, did you see anything different? The, the, you, all you needed to watch was lap one and the last lap. Pretty much. In fact, the big descent down because there was it really wasn't that. I didn't think it was that exciting. It was it was so tough. It was almost processional, and I think that was the case across all of them. I mean, the you have to go behind Sailing Alvarado. You have to go back like to the Nova River Roll battle. The you know the 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 racing behind, which is very hard to see on on the cameras on TV. To actually get some great racing in that, and I, I don't think, given how good Lohenhout, Deegan, Zolder, have, uh, you know, the the lot, you know, Malt have been some amazing great racing coming in, and then you have Bow. There was a time when Bow was a highlight for me, not anymore. Yeah, and I think a race in an X two O, which is won by two minutes, yeah, you 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 know that. It can't have been that great, <laughs> we know, in terms of head-to-head racing. Other things which have coming up, which have come up over the last couple of weeks. Um, Ellen Van Loy finally has announced that she's going to be retiring as well this season. So a lot of classic riders we, we've we've been watching for a very long time. Um, real ins- inspiring riders are are finishing this year and yeah. we've got yeah i mean ellen van loy she's kind of never been the that person at the front but she's been challenging you know when, all the time when i started working with with tv a lot we she was a writer who was always there who you, you could rely on to always be in the battle but it's when you know the backstory that she's you know she it, it's 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 not a full-time career you know that she's doing a full t- full time. She has a real life outside of the racing, and then mixes it up with at the time Santa Camp was the the best rider in the world, bar none. You know, and that is a long time ago to still be up there and fighting, and still and and until this season, regularly being inside the top ten. You know, yes, we're seeing a changing of the guard in a lot of ways, where we are starting to see a lot of the riders in you know, born around around the millennium time, really taking over and run, starting to run away with it. But, you know, a, gr- a great rider, really, really strong rider and good to watch and, and yeah, great career, absolutely yeah. great career and somebody who's who's made the most of that, I think, and, and probably won't look back and think, do you know what? I didn't give it a proper go because she has and for a substantial time. And I think Ellen Van Loy, she's... <laughs> I'm not going to do the count, although I'm tempted to now. You know, she must have had more race starts 
than pretty much anyone over the last 20 years. There you go. Just, <laughs> that that you know. can be the new quiz of the <laughs> uh, the quiz of the show. How many race starts in Super Prestige, you know, proper proper level and World Cups has Ellen Van Loy had in her career? Um Somebody can come up with the right answer because I'm not going to go count them all. It's not you're the statistician, Neil. We'll let let you do that one. Lots is the official answer. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, I tell you something. One man who who uh, is definitely not going to have the chance to have started everything. uh, Certain Mister S, who um, has been caught in the news somewhat. Yeah, we not. I mean, he he did. He, he did make that mistake of saying, I'm not going to cut my hair until. He, he now is looking very 1970s. Now, he's now been, I, I don't I don't understand the vocabulary that's being used for somebody. He's being offered a two-year ban. You know, they tested his, the med, medication that he claimed was contaminated. Um, and they tested it. And yes, it was contaminated, but they didn't. He, you know, he only handed it over after afterwards, so it doesn't show I you anything. It's, yeah. you know, it's just, oh, it's it's horrible. You know, it's no win. It's no win. It's not good for the sport. Full stop. No. We all know that, and it's not good to inspire riders to to stay clean. You know, the the the, the pressure if there are dirty riders out there is that if you want to win, you got to be dirty, and, and the the problem comes is that clean or dirty, two nurses is always going to be tarnished with this because this has happened. If it is a genuine mistake, then he's in a terrible position, not only because he, he looks like some retro 1980s um, Californian, you know, exactly, surfer yeah. dude come, um, grunge band member come, uh, want to be Hollywood, um, you know, coming of age person uh, that's a bit old for it or to be honest it the bit of a bigger reason is he's not going to get all these stars he was so up there he was in there and he now has been taken out of that if it's genuine but if it was genuine you know sh- come clean say i took medicine i took this i took that you know if you're not guilty why did it take so long it doesn't help the perception whatever the reality is the perception is now this is just a really mucky, mucky mess. And unfortunately, getting offered a ban almost seems like we're going down this sort of, oh, let's have a bit of plea bargaining going on, mm-hmm. you know, rather than you you are caught, X happens, Y is the consequence. There's, there's none of that. It seems to be, well, you can have Y, or maybe you could have Z, or if you keep fighting us, well, we'll take you out of the alphabet and we're going to take you right the way through onto multiple letters. Yeah. Um, it's there's no winners in any of this, and that's always the the shame of all this is that that was somebody's hero. You know? Exactly. There's some teenage kid who that was their hero, and that was the person who inspired them to go ride a bike. And at that, let's look forward to some more racing, and let's enter the Luster Ronda. So we've got another packed schedule over the next couple of weeks. Um, there's Heron's House, which is coming up. Um, it may have already happened by the time the show gets out. Effectively, Belgium crossing the woods. Um, <laughs> but I think probably something which is more looked forward to is Coxider. For me, Coxider is this mythical 
big sand dunes. It was what you know. I've great memories of of just about memories of, of of things like champ world championships and world cups. There, massive sand dunes, big. Belgian beer tents, close racing, fan clubs at full volume, you know, the real works and, and, and staggering back and then ending up in the same hotel as a fan club and, you know, being adopted by them and then walking down to the course the next day to watch the racing, you know, going to the real fun and, and then, you know, just, just, just getting, you know, literally grabbed by the neck and, you know, Gluvine forced down my neck, come, by some random stranger. <laughs> and yet, looking at it now, we see so much great racing and so much sand and so much different sand and technique. And we've got so much more coverage of it, of every single race out there. That mythical cockside is this amazing place, far from anywhere where sand exists in big dunes. And yeah, kind of like that fairy story is a little bit old it's a bit worn thin we all know how it all ends and i don't know whether it hasn't lost a bit of that status i I, for me it's not the big bad beastie it always was you know it's not that classic race it always was it does produce great racing yes but is it the race if you go watch one race it used to be cockside yeah if you go watch one race now would it be cockside okay It'd probably be. I, I would. I would recommend people to go see Deegan. Actually, um, have done because it's such a amazing event. But um, yeah, I was going to say. You know what? You really ought to go and watch. Of course, is National Champs. Um, <laughs> <and> Spectating. <laughs> Lotta, what would you choose? One race you can only go see. One. You're going to say to somebody, "Look, this is cyclocross." You've got the opportunity. We've got a free ticket to any cross in the world you want and transport. Which one would you send them to? Probably Lowen Out. The crowds there, were, they were insane. And that is cyclocross. I think that course is iconic and it's a proper Belgian course and it is cyclocross. But Cocksiders, I agree, it has lost its hype. I think especially with the sand walls we had at Ostend a couple of years back where that is kind of... I would say that's kind of the new Coxider with the huge bridge. But um, I always wanted to race Coxider, but now I think I did a lot of sand training back then. I think now I would much rather go and race a different course, um, probably a Herentals, actually. And I know that's about the Nart's hometown as well. So I think that one I'd much rather go and see. There you go. I- how much sand is too much sand? Maybe. I mean, I, I didn't, I have to say, I didn't like the sandy worlds and the big bridge. It's it just felt very contrived. We've got this bit of park over here. There's a motorway in the way. We've got a big beach over here. Well, let's just put the two together with a couple of it, with a big bridge. You know, it, it felt very contrived. How much sand is too much sand? Well, maybe Coxide is too much sand, you know. Yeah. There is a lot more well, to the course than sand. Don't yeah. get me wrong. And, but- and I think that one of the things with the course is the finish is – it's a there's a long non sandy bit before the finish, and so you know people are really you know, open up the afterburners. There's a long way, you know. It's a, if yeah, if if you're want, not wanting to take it to a sprint, you've actually got quite a lot a lot of opportunity to do that if you are riding with someone. And the other thing to look out for there, I, mean, I think most people listening to this will be looking out for it is Cat Mason has gone pretty well at Coxider in the past. So you know, with his form that he's on. 
and you know were the people that may not be going i don't know i don't know what if cam is racing himself but yeah i think it could be a, another you know opportunity for mr mason um to come through and you know, potentially get a, a another great result yeah i don't i don't think that's a bad shout at yeah. all coming up as well is Gulligan. Super Prestige. Now, Super Prestige is reaching the, its close. Um, there's lots to race for. There's a lot of people who are at the front there. So I think we could see some real... You know, I mean, it's, it's a classic course. It's just it's just kind of one of those classic Belgian cross courses. Um, it, yeah, but it's, it could, you know, sets for good racing. And bearing in mind what's at stake, I think we'll see a good a good field for those people who are targeting super prestige. You know, it is going to be one of the key, well, one of the final opportunities. I think that super prestige has lived up to its title. It's been great racing. It's good racing. Uh, interesting series of races. Gillingham, you know, like you say, you kind of know what you're getting. It's not going to change much. It's not going to be much fair, but it's still going to be, I think it's one of those where, because it's not too hard, because it's not one particularly defining feature, you get great racing rather than professional racing. It's, it's almost the opposite of Baal. Baal is just big, hard, and, and nasty, and it's so big, hard, and nasty, you get massive time gaps. Gulligan, don't you usually see that? You tend to see closer elbow-to-elbow racing. It's more about the, the rider's skill in racing with other people rather than necessarily about their speed, outright speed around the course. It's often yeah. about holding speed with people around you, and that's a different skill set. Yeah, definitely. And then we move on to, in fact, it might even be the same day, I think. Um, there's Clanfield in the UK. It's a double weekender. Um, Clanfield being um, promoted by Montezuma's, I believe. Is that right? It's a it's Montezuma's home race, isn't it? It's their home race, and it's part. It's on the home turf, almost of Wessex League as well. It's, I think a co-production would probably be a, a, a fair way to describe it. Um, but uh, it's one of those races, independent races that are not tied into national trophy that have been growing and growing, and a bit like when we talked to uh, Alex when we were talking about things like um, the the Andover Supercross. Andover, yeah. It's a classic sort of. It builds its own reputation. And I think the start that they've had at Clanfield and what they've built so far has been great. I've been stuck on the trophy stage, unable to go previously, and I'm really looking forward to it. It's one of only two live, in-person, actually there talking about it kind of gigs as a speaker uh, this year where I'm not talking remotely or, or for TV. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I kind of jumped at the chance of going when I was asked. And, it's one of those races that I'm really intrigued. To I've seen the course maps, I've seen the footage, I've watched the ride-through videos. But anyone who's seen me at a cross race will know that just about the first thing I'll do when I get there is I'm going to go walk, sprint around the course, I'm going to get my hands in the mud, I'm going to start feeling what's underneath my feet. I might sort of kick a bit of dirt about a bit and you know get a feel for how slippy it is. Really looking forward to it. Lottie, you've raced there. You know... I, well, I hope you know plenty about it and can remember it because uh, it is, as you say, your your team's home race. All I remember is pain from that race. To be honest, it was brutal. <laughs> uh, I 
know it's changed a lot for this year. So uh, there's a road to start rather than starting on the grass. And um, we're going into a new field, which uh, let's say there's going to be a big, long run up and a very tricky off cambers. And uh, I think some people must have seen the video of my teammates trying to ride that camber. And we had a good laugh at that. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be very different to last year, but hopefully with a bit of rain. It'll get very slippy and, yeah, it's still going to be brutal. It's Clamfield. It's on a hill. It's going to be one for the strongest rider on the day. It's Let's clarify this hill. This We're not talking a little bump, are we? This is on the side of the downs, basically. So it's it's big. It's like a cliff, I think. This new <laughs> run-up, um, we are dropping down and then... I remember we were doing a training camp before the start of the season and it wasn't built this part of the course. And Simon said, yes, we're going down that. And I kind of walked to the edge and went, oh, this is looking hard. And he said, so you're going to go down do a big corner and then right at the bottom where we're just going to put 90 degrees and you're just going to run up and it's going to be a really long, iconic run up. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'll be great. But in my head, I was like, oh, no. (laughs) This is going to be carnage. It's going to be brutal. And I was... So if everybody's legs are hurting, they can blame you for the lack of criticism of putting in a long... Yeah, I probably should have said, um, (laughs) why don't we go to the flatter part of the field? But there isn't that much there. But yeah, I know Simon's worked so hard on it. And yeah, I can't wait to be racing there. And yeah, this course is looking... It's going to be iconic, I think. And I really hope that we can get some big races going there it looks good and of course we've got the addition of the uh, we had the cartridge jet washes in early they were you know it's been a uh, a mass jet wash and uh, even more this year um and the one question i was asked um prior to recording this actually was do we have a, does every corner have a name of a montezuma's flavor of chocolate on there and if not why not i think it should to be honest I know there's some iconic parts which we've all had laughs on. So there's like the Maddy corner on the off camber. And I spectacularly went flying over on the log. So, um, yeah, my classic log riding. Yeah. yeah. And um, okay. I think we should, to be honest. It should actually I think get it would be great if we have in the pits just a table and you can just come in and have some chocolate, <laughs> but I'm not sure we can convince Simon to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the pits would just be light chocolate if the weather's really bad and grim. Maybe that might be the consistency of the mud out there. We I think will, if you try hard enough, play. the mud might turn into chocolate and it'd be like in the chocolate factory, you know, try in the chocolate factory where <laughs> everything's just very mud. Surreal, very surreal pits in my head right <laughs> at this moment in time. I'm absolutely loving this. Yeah, Excellent. it could be, could be very, very very Tim Burton-esque if we're not careful that's for sure that weekend coincides with Gravesend um, the final round of the National Trophy which is going to have the the biggest run up I think it's you know it's it's got that climb in previous years which was the ride up and as far as you can and and run when you dismount but they've cut steps into it now and yeah, I've, it's oh man, that looks hard. It kind of it'd be very interesting to hear from the riders because, of course, it's a double weekend for elite riders and they're going to see both. And I think 
you've got Graceland, which is a very established venue, but so established, in fact, that it had started to suffer a little bit from the bowel syndrome, hadn't it? Okay, it didn't have fossilized roots, but it was coming through to literal fossils. You know, we were getting the beach, the beach coming through, you know, and, and whilst, you know, if you get a really nice rounded shell fossil, what you don't want is to get on some fossilized dinosaur tooth, which takes a hole out of your tire. And I think it'd be really interesting to see how that plays out when it's the last round of the trophy because that venue is so weather dependent. You know, if it's frozen and it's wet, it's icy. It's it's horrendous, you know, really is, you know, it, you're either up or bang, you're down. Whereas, yeah. you know, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what it does. If it's warm, then it has been blisteringly quick. Really, really quick. Yeah, I, I think it's been a it, it's it's been a course which does vary year on year. It's remar- I, I find it amazing that it feels so different every year, even though the course hasn't changed that much. This year, it's it's the course is going to be quite different. I understand, and a, a a lot of these podiums could actually be decided by people that aren't competing for them, because it could be because we've got so many people coming in. Um, people that have been racing on the continent a lot. As I understand, there's very few being sent over actually to Zonhoven um, this mm-hmm. this time from the, the British scene. So there's going to be more riders there. So it could be that the top three, four, five in some of the races may not actually be contending for uh, the, the podiums, but they could be taking the points away from others who are. Yeah, so it's going to be... We're not going to know until all of these tough calculations are done at the end of the thing as to what the final standing is going to be, but it's really is still wide open. I think it's been really interesting to see who takes it. I mean, you know, you've got the potential of Odney Baker. I mean, you know, a rider who, who's really done the rounds and has put in the hard graft over the years and has always been there potentially going to take it. You've got the garden shed team coming good of Oli Acres. And I mean, just think you've, we've going to see that whole series standings decided, you know, will Jensen take it? Will it be decided by riders who are or aren't there? You know, and that, that could be the big thing. And we talked last show, it's worth, well worth to listen back about, you know, where does that stand and, and, and where is it going to be? Look forward to seeing who comes out in the victory and, you know, the trophy has been around long before we were racing, long before, you know, British cycling existed, long before any of our course designers pretty much were at it. It's been around a long time and we'll keep on going. It's an iconic series to win. Yeah. And I, Jensen Young, talking about riders who aren't, aren't contending could be influential. Well, Jensen was almost... Mm-hmm wiped out by Tom Pit- the missile of Tom Pidcock um, at Baal. Yeah, it was you – know, Tom landed on Jensen pretty much. So it was at the side of the course there. So, yeah, anything can happen uh, between yep. now and there. We could have Toby Barnes and Alderney, um, Alderney Baker you know, taking taking home the, the two yellow jerseys in a kind of quite quite poetic for those who – know that toby and Alderney have been together for a while so you know it's kind of you know love across the love across the yellow um you know but you know it, it still is all, all to ride for Alderney has to be the favorite for it and i think toby barnes has to be the favorite in the elite men we of course also have zonhoven 
you know, one of those courses which has been there, you know, in my mind forever. Um, it's always been, you know, since I've been following cross at this level, it's always been one of those races, which is, you know, more than iconic. Um, <laughs> it, it is the, uh, for, you know, for me, it is the course of the year. You know, what happens at Zonhoven is, is it, yeah, it's a, it's the race that you just don't want to miss. Because <laughs> that's my one to send somebody to. If you had to send somebody, it would be Zonhoven. That would be the one to watch. Because if you think about it, it's got a bit of everything. You've got a really fast tarmac straight on it. You've got from that straight a massive dive off the edge of the world into some horrendous sand. That's not just your average boring sand dune. This is a drop down into the quarry into the coil, into the base, up the other side, round the top, drop back in, then a massive sand run up. And then you go into what is a really muddy, techie section, which really sees people running and all riding or picking their line of being able to corner on mud. And then you go up onto the top of the moors, which is this open sort of moorland scrubby section that takes you back down and into the finish. So if you want to pick a bit of every terrain, mix them into one course, I think you could do a lot worse than Zonhoven and how that is going to ride. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Not, not just um, because I'm on the mic for the, the worldwide feed for the UCI. So if you are not, if your VPN is not in a geo-blocked area like the UK, if, for example, your VPN showed you is living somewhere else, then you get yours truly on the mic um, with the worldwide feed, which is designed for everybody who speaks English. So it's not an English-UK biased commentary you have been warned we are not trying to cater just for the uk market because because we're speaking english but the reason i'm looking forward to it is it is one of those races that produces amazing racing and for me one of my favorite races actually lawrence feet taking on matthew van der poel and wout van art um probably about seven years ago in that battle in there i think whoever races that has got Whoever's on there, they've got a bit that suits them. Put Peters, great on the tech. Fen van Empel, mud and the power sections. You've got ride like Sheer and Van Amroy could have the speed on there. Lucinda Brand, you know, great on the road. Got the great power, you know, sailing because of Carmen Alvarado, another rider who's a mountain bike based rider, but he's got some great speed and can run. I mean, her running speed is just phenomenal, you know. Who's, who you, who's your money on? Well, everybody's got their strength in an area they can excel in. That has got to be a, you know, you've got the standings are wide open. The men's, you know, Lawrence Feet leading from Van Turen out, from Isabit, from Van der Haar. You know, with or without the big three, you're yeah. going to get some good racing there. And Isabit was saying in his interview that he was considering just quitting for the rest of the season. And just to start to concentrate on other things from to before next year. Yeah, but I think he's changed his tune now, um, and he'll, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he'll be he'll be back and raring to go. Um, well, Speak's got a lot to race yeah. for, and he has gone well. You know, it is a course that does does well. Does it suit him? He certainly goes well there. Vatur and Houtwell, he's 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 at everything, isn't he? So I think between yeah. the, you've got those and then Van der Poel. It does, but, you know, it suits a, a number of other riders as well. And I think for me, that is really, really key. I mean, I, I 
who who is going to go well? I, I wouldn't want to call a winner. I certainly wouldn't want to bet anything any on there. Um, for me, it's going to put great racing in front of every in front of us, and and he's a bit like you say, he's going to be fired up. You know, he he said after that crash, after that impact at um, Valdisoli, that he wasn't going to ride. That was it. Season over, game over. He wasn't going to ride, and then he's come back, and he comes back, and he wins at Ball. You know, sorry at. Um, taking away when you know because he can ride off I, and i just think you look at him and you just think i just think that he's back in form he's got his head in the game and he's going to race hard i'll tell you who else fen van empel she, you know you think oh she's won everything she's miles ahead she's not she's only 40 points that is one that's the same points that you get for winning so if you win so if Put Peters wins and Fen Van, Van Empel doesn't finish, they're tied on points and there's still going to be three more rounds to go in the World Cup. And that means that is so close because, you know, they're, they're divvying it up. You've got Shrin Van and Roy as well. You know, she's got two wins in there so far. Another rider who could excel on that course. And then you've got all these riders who are coming back into form, like Brand, like Alvarado coming back. And I mean, Denise Betsimer. She's been there or thereabouts the whole season. And again, a rider who can ride sand really well. To be honest, I would love to see Denise Betsimer. I mean, and she's not my favourite rider, but I think she's been knocking on the door all season and I think that could be her race. But I think Femme's just on another level and she's flying at the moment. But... I don't really know. I'm also gutted that Cam Mason's not riding. I think on the form he's on, he could have done so well on that course. I think he's coming over for the UK doubleheader. But there's definitely, it's going to be a very good race. Um, you can't mm. put money like against Femme Van Empo. I think she's just going to 100% trounce everyone and make yep. that sound look like it's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, time will tell. Was Zonhoven what we expected? Was even Gravesend and Clanfield what we expected them to be? And with that, I think we are going to wrap up the show. So first of all, thanks everyone who has been supporting us through Buy Me A Coffee. Um, we have our hosting fees to pay every month and many of you have been supporting us. Loads of people are supporting us actually for through Buy Me A Coffee and thanks everyone who has been doing that so go to buymeacoffee.com slash crosscast um, and you can find out some more on there and you can find us all online um, so Lotta what are you up to next and where can we find you online I'm racing the double header this weekend for national champs and uh, you can find me Lotta Mansfield on Twitter on Instagram so yeah see me over there some cool pics <laughs> Excellent, love it. You can find me at Matt Fixer Pain, and you can find me covering everything from esports right the way through to the World Cups on that UCI feed as well. As uh, you can get a hold of us on uh, at Full Speed Events, and uh, occasionally you might even see me in real life, not stuck in a studio staring at a TV screen, which is quite a nice bonus. Although on the bike is a bit of a rarity, I must admit. Unlike Neil, who seems to be putting in another massive endurance block. So if you don't catch Neil on the bike, Neil, where, where, whereabouts can we find you? 
So you can find me at Crosscast Neil on most of the socials. Um, we're going to be there at the next round of the National Trophy racing there. Um, really looking forward to that. Um, and you might even find me on the Donny Chain Gang from time to time. Um, riding on Swift. So with that, we're going to wrap things up. And until next time, have a great time on your bikes. Enjoy the racing and we'll see you on the other side of the tape. Bye.